Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Morning Devotion, week number three of 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting. And what a great subject we have for you today. Hope still floats. Yeah, I just like this. I love this. Now, I know if you're following along in the day of prayer, today's subject is remarkable. It's a great subject, and I just feel like it's got some good things going for it. In fact, we're talking about one of the greatest subjects known to mortal man, and that's praying in the mighty name of Jesus. And what a name we have. Today, if you would allow me, I I don't know, my mind has just been drifting. I, It's hard to drift away from the name of Jesus. Now, Lisa, Joy, that's just the way it is. Jose, Pamela, because by the name, we have all authority. By the name, we activate the blood. By the name, we call the Lord Jesus Christ alive into our situation. We're people of the name, baptized in his name, born of the name. But I don't know. I have just I have just felt all night last night, early this morning, that I'm supposed to talk to you. I'm supposed to give you a word of hope, of brand new hope. And so that's why I'm here today to give that to you. Connie, Winnie, Sonia, Shirley, so good to see all of you here today. Thank you for being faithful to this. I hope you have a great week, a blessed week that's ahead. This is day 15 final week of 21 days of prayer, but not final week of morning devotion. God willing, we will continue. We'll press forward. Hope still floats. What am I talking about here? I I, I think, was it Emily Dickinson that said, hope is the thing with wings. It has this, has this tendency to take us higher. I started thinking about those drifting bottles. My wife and I walk every day along the along the Gulf Coast and uh, where we live, and you see bottles and all sorts of stuff in the in the water. And I was just thinking about those drifting bottles. People used to send messages in those bottles on a lark, sometimes serious messages sent in floating bottles. They've been around for a long, long time. Ancient mariners. Uh, carried messages from one community to another in bottles. Sometimes they took a chance on the ocean currents themselves. Those floating bottles, those drifting bottles, they intrigue us. In fact, off the coast of Brazil some years back, scientists dropped two identical bottles in the Atlantic. 130 days later, one of the bottles arrived in Africa. 190 days later, the other bottle was found on the coast of Nicaragua. Yes, same place end up different places, I guess, two different continents. And there's just something about that drifting bottle that spells hope, that hope is going to float. In spite of surprise or disaster, it's going to see us through. I guess I just, this has been on my mind this week, uh, the last few days, uh, passing a brother Jerry Woodfull in our church and and yesterday was the second anniversary of my dad's going home. And I just, I started thinking about 
the hope that we have. There is a message in the floating bottles, you may say, found nearly 2,000 years ago in scripture, a man on a deserted island. Revelation 21.1, John said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away. There was no more sea. Amy, Catherine, Jenny, no more sea. I think heaven's message to us this morning as we endeavor to enter into this season of prayer is that hope still flows. No matter the leaden moments, no matter the weights, hope floats. I came across a piece a while back and um, I like this. I want to share this with you this morning. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, thank our YouTube crowds growing. God bless you. Yeah, I see a bunch of you, Carol, every morning. You're one of the first that I see join on YouTube on my system here. And uh, thank you. Subscribe, share with others. Our Facebook is is the home group. And um, thank you for being a part of this. Instagram is still hit and miss. We're going to figure that one out. But thank you for being a part. Share with others. I came across a piece a while back that just, I don't know. I like this. In fact, I've searched and searched for it and couldn't find it again. So I don't really know where I found it. A trip to Guilt City. I'd not really planned on taking a trip this time of the year. And yet I found myself packing rather hurriedly. I got tickets to fly on. I wish I had airlines. Didn't check any baggage. I had to carry it all the way. I was weighed down with a thousand memories of what might have been. No one greeted me as I entered the terminal to Regret City International Airport. Checked into my hotel, the last resort hotel, and made my way to the ballroom for the year's most important event. <laughs> wait for it, wait for it. The annual pity party. The Dunn family was there, you know, shoulda, coulda, and woulda. The Opportunity Sisters were there, you know, missed and lost. And of course, the Yesterday clan was there in abundance, far too many to count, each with its story to tell. I went to the depressing party knowing that there was no benefit to me being there, and I became very cast down. Stories of failures came back from the past. But I went this year for a different reason. I went this year to tell everybody I wouldn't be back. That I was accepting no more invitation to these annual pity parties. Tapped on my glass. And when the moaning quieted down, I said, Friends, neighbors, this is my last guilt trip. I cannot change yesterday. But I have the power to make today a wonderful day. I turned and left the city of regret immediately. I left no forwarding address. I took a trip to a place called Starting Again. I've taken up a permanent residence there on the street named I Can Do All Things Through Christ. Yes, I love that. I just love that. The annual pity party, the proverbial guilt trip. You're given an opportunity. This is what John saw, a new thing happening a new opportunity to start over today, a new work week before you, a brand new life. I mean, picture John when he wrote these words. Don, picture this. Erica, Trenton, here he was laying as a castaway on an island. 
been there for some time. His ship didn't sink. He didn't wash up on shore. He was placed there intentionally, exiled, no way of escape. But he was not having a pity party. We read that he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And oh, the sights that he saw. One final message he gives us. The message begins with the verse Revelation 21.1 and extends to the end of the Bible in the next chapter. It's a message of hope. John said, I see a new heaven and I see a new earth. And the old heaven and earth is going to be made new. It's going to be transformed. And the first thing he noticed about that new earth was this. There was no more sea. No more. No more. For John and indeed every Jew, the sea represented chaos in Bible days. Psalm 89 says that. Evil is depicted by Isaiah as a tossing sea, Isaiah 57. The sea is a type of perpetual unrest. Hence, our Lord rebukes it as an unruly, hostile trouble. Yes, that corresponds to the spiritual and moral world. The absence of the sea points to a day that is coming, that we're not going to be troubled anymore. There will be peace. Yes, peace. Zane. Kirk, absolute peace is coming. No sea to trouble us anymore. You may say today, I'm between the devil and the deep blue sea. The winds of adversity are blowing over me. I'm in the greatest trial of my life. And all of that may be very true. The psalmist experienced that. The 42nd Psalm, all thy waves, thy billows have gone over me. I'm inundated. But there is a message from another world, a message of the end time. There's a new day coming. I love what Jesus said to the people on the ship in the fourth watch of the night, the darkest hours before the dawn, the storm has come and his little church in the making is struggling. And the ship of Zion appears to be going under And the people on board are fearful. Jesus sees them. Did you hear that? Jesus sees them. He was in a prayer meeting and he sees them struggling. If he saw them then, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If he saw them then, he sees you. Now, he knows what you're going through. He knows the trial. He knows what you got to face today. He knows that difficult conversation. He knows that perplexing issue. And here comes Jesus. His way is in the sea, his footsteps in the unknown, and he's walking on water. If he did it then, he'll do it now. Hope still floats. He came to the disciple and said these words. Here's the words he said. Standing on the stormy sea, It is I, be not afraid. What a message of hope. When the great I am shows up, you can hold on. When he arrives, you can rest. When he comes on the scene, your fears are gonna flee the scene. John, the sea that troubles you will not always be here. It's not always gonna be around you on Patmos. Not always, not always. It's used a few times in the Bible, three times in the New Testament. 
where Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always, but me not always. In other words, when Jesus passes by, you better seize your opportunity. Didn't we remember that song, reach out and touch the Lord? He's passing by, seize that opportunity. And the Old Testament not always is used in a few more diverse ways. My spirit will not always strive with man in Genesis. Elihu rebuked Job's three comforters and said, great men are not always wise. How true. Psalm, the psalmist said, God will not always be upset with us. He will not always chide or chastise us. But God gives mercy. He reaches us in our exile. He reaches us in our time of testing with a message. It is I, be not afraid. Hope still flows. You may be going through a time of trouble and anxiety, but let me give you two words, not always. This is not always going to happen. You're going to get through this. And let me give you that message of hope, hope that you can hold on to. Hope that is attached to a rope that is attached to the anchor within the veil. It is I, be not afraid. You're going to make it through. The sea is represented in scripture as wavering, represents something untrustworthy, unstable. Reuben, you're as unstable as the sea. But John said there's going to be a day where there's no more sea. No sea to trouble us. No sea to waver us. For when our hearts are overwhelmed, there is a rock. Grace to see us through hope still floats. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, come boldly before the throne of grace that we can obtain mercy. So David, Jim, come boldly before the throne of grace. Mike, our need is for grace. When sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. We come boldly before the throne of grace. Paul said, if the task gets too great, grace abounds. I look at what people are going through right now, what the church is going through right now. I see what people in our church family, people even on this morning devotion, what you're enduring right now. And I see everything around us is shaking and trembling. But grace gives us strength. We're not going to waver. Hope still floats. There's something in you that is buoyant and it's going to stay afloat and it's going to rise. God's going to give you the strength to get through this trial. Yes, God's stability is more than a match for this world's instability. It was in the book of Ezekiel, God described the world at the end of time. In one verse, three of God's favorite people are found in one verse, Daniel, Noah, and Job, found in this verse of Ezekiel. The prophet said, even if these three people, Daniel, Noah, or Job, came to the world at this time, even they could not save the world, but they could save themselves. Think about those three men, Daniel, Noah, Job. One of them spent the night with a hungry bunch of lions. One saved his family from an awful flood that killed everybody else. And one of them endured such sickness, such trial, such opposition. And God seems to say through Ezekiel, these are three of my favorite people. They've been through the storm. People who learn that their relationship with God doesn't depend on circumstances. That in the good times, they're going to praise me. 
and in the bad times, they're still going to praise me. Job gained a faith that could never be shaken because he got out of it having been shaken. Oh my, that's powerful. Abraham Herschel said that. You can get an unshakable faith by enduring the shaking that is happening in this world. This was not a message just to the present day. It's a message to a future day. It was a message not to a distant people, but a message to John. John, the thing that separates you, the sea, from people you love, it's about to disappear. What's prevented you from going home to Ephesus will one day dissipate. It will soon be gone. What is stopping you from seeing what you want to see? Those blinders are about to be removed. And those barriers, those impediments, they're going to be torn down. That obstacle is going to come away. John, there's going to be no more sea. No more sea. No more sea to trouble us. No more sea to waver us. And finally, no more sea to separate us. It's one day in 1956, Martin Douglas kissed his wife, Alice. Goodbye, got on his boat for a day of fishing off the Florida coast. Martin never came home. Finally, was declared missing at sea. One year later, on an Australian beach, a jar was found with a note sealed inside of it. It said, should this note be found, please forward it to my wife, Mrs. Alice Douglas of Miami Beach, Florida. No doubt you're wondering what has become of me. And the note goes on to describe how his boat developed engine trouble. Inside the jar was a blank check, and on the back of it, he had written his handwritten will. Between heaven and hell, we read that there is a great gulf fixed that no man can cross over. That's what Jesus said in Luke 15. It's a chasm that cannot be bridged, a void that cannot be spanned. No bridge can reach from one side to the other. But God had a message for John. There's no separating sea that I cannot bridge. I cannot bridge. Yes. Hope still flow. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us? Paul goes on in Romans 8 to say, shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sore. Then he goes, then he says, I'm persuaded. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul lists 17 things that could separate. And the last he put was no other creature. Whatever thing is separating you from the object of your pursuit, from the center of your affection, from your ideal and actual, from where you are to where you want to be, whatever separating. Paul is saying Jesus, his love, is the gap bridger, the bridge builder. He spans the distance of time and space. No sea can separate him. He's the one who 
divides seas, connects the Egypt of your past with the Canaan of your future. I believe, I believe that the enemy that you have been fighting is to be subdued soon. Why not today? Why not invite the God who draws near, the sea maker and the sea vaporizer, the one who can remove the sea of separation? John was promised there's not going to be a sea of division and separation between God and you. There's a blank check. Read on the back of it the last covenant of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is I, be not afraid. You're more than conquerors through him who love you. Claim that inheritance. It's mine. It's mine. So Anna and Patricia, Erica, Samuel, claim that inheritance. This day, march into the throne of grace, praying in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that you are going to see your new heaven, your new earth, that God is going to do something new to you and through you today. There's a message. There's a message that comes across a distant sea. I just wanted to elevate it today. I wanted to tell you that hope still flows. You're gonna make it through. You're gonna see it through this time and God's gonna help you. I believe that with all of my heart. So today, David, Pamela, Norma, Renee, go pray in the mighty name of Jesus and watch what can happen and the Lord will be with you. Thank you for being with us today. Look forward to a great week morning devotion. Get the word out, share it with others. And let's say, let's close this strong. Let's close this week strong and see some great things happen. God bless you. May you go and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.